Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Giese, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast, available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. Another bonus edition of the podcast for you this week. I'll speak with sports editor Mike Kelly about the hiring of Dwayne Killings at UAlbany. Plus, we'll look at the Seattle men's and women's basketball programs. And staff writer Stan Hootie joins us to talk high school football. My first guest is the new head coach of the UAlbany men's basketball team. Please welcome Dwayne Killings. Dwayne, uh, welcome to the uh, Parting Shots podcast, your uh, first visit here, and uh, hopefully the first of many. Uh, congratulations on uh, the new job. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks a lot. It's been awesome. Um, you know, last, uh, I guess we're almost approaching a week here. It's been a whirlwind, but um, I'm, I'm so excited to come to the Capital Region and, and get a chance to be the caretaker, the head coach of the U Albany men's basketball program. And, and I'm just excited to get this opportunity, but I'm more excited about the people. I mean, I, I think people have embraced my family and I terrifically, and, and we can't wait to make that our home. Yeah, the, uh, your first head coaching job. What attracted you to uh, UAlbany? You know, I, I thought it was the alignment. Um, there's great leadership, you know, from President Rodriguez and, and from Mark Benson and Vic Siegler. You know, you could see that they have a passion for men's basketball, and they, they also want to support, you know, the vision, the mentality that we're trying to bring as we shift um, in this transition with the program. And the other piece is, yeah, I think it fits for me perfectly. You know, I haven't been a Northeast guy. You know, I grew up in Amherst, Massachusetts. I spent time at Temple and UConn. Got a chance to work in the NBA in New York. I always saw me and my family moving back to the Northeast and try to find a community that, that was really excited about college basketball. And, and once I really got to study and learn more about um, the, the Capital Region and U Albany and, and Albany as a whole, it was a no-brainer for me. I, I was really excited about the chance to, to, um, of leadership for the program because it really fit, fit everything that I wanted, checked every single box. And to be able to be uh, close to home where you grew up in Amherst, I mean, how exciting is that? It's great. You know, my parents are getting a little older, um, and I don't get a chance to see them as much because this business is just so crazy. I mean, you get pulled in so many different directions. And the look out there, and, you know, you dream of your press conference and your parents are sitting there. It's only an hour and a half drive. It's awesome. Uh, my mother-in-law lives in New York City. She's about two and a half hours away. That's terrific for my family. Um, and now my kids are young, you know, so we can all share these great moments and we can watch, you know, my kids grow up and share these basketball games and these milestones that we're about to create um, as we get ready to get this program rolling. Uh, our sports editor, Michael Kelly, you'll, you'll be dealing with a lot. Uh, he covers the team. I mean, he wrote a story about you. You wanted to have a goal of being a head coach before 40. You're 39 now, so you feel like you achieved the goal? Well, my birthday's coming up on April 4th, so so I, I beat it by just a few days. But it's awesome. I mean, to be honest with you, I said it at the press conference, um, this is a dream come true. I mean, you work as an assistant and, you know, you keep notes and you get these ideas and you're thinking, if I ever get a shot, these are the things that I, I want to do. And when I got up there on the podium and I, and I looked down, I looked at my family, I looked at my kids, I looked at my wife, Anna, um, it felt perfect. Like, I, I just feel like it's the place I'm supposed to be. I think it connects for everything I want to do. Um, I feel honored to get a key to that gym, you know, and be a chance to, to lead those young men, to inspire them, to impact them, to impact the community. I mean, 
everything that I'm trying to do with our program, it, it fits in so many different ways. And I'm just excited. I mean, I, I haven't slept a lot. haven't haven't eaten as much as I need to. My workout routines have gone out the window because I'm just excited to pour into this program and, and try to impact it with – I thought Will did a terrific job. Um, he's a great coach. A lot of teams are tough. Uh, obviously, he's got a lot of respect in the league and inside the region. But for me, I, I just want to try to shift the mentality to fit what I'm trying to do for the program, and I'm so excited about that. And I've gotten some texts and some phone calls from the kids. Uh, I think they see it. I think they're excited about it. And uh, now we got to put everything together and, and keep marching forward. Yeah, speaking of the kids, uh, I think now we're up to seven players who have entered the transfer portal as we speak here on uh, Wednesday, March 24th. Uh, you, you said recently you're, you'll you know, embrace anybody who wants to come back. I mean, have, have you talked to any of those players yet uh, about what their decision is going to be? Yeah, we talked about it briefly. Um, you know, there, there's a shock, you know, when you, when you have a, a change in leadership. Um, and I understand that. And it's not fair to those kids to walk in and say, you know, are you coming or are you going? That that doesn't work, and, and I'm not going to do that. I told them I wanted them to get to know me, and I need to get to know them. I've sat with some of the parents. I'm actually going to meet with a parent today um, in Chicago, get a chance to chat with them. You know, the, those things are really, really important for me. Now, um, the other pieces, we need to get on the court. I mean, they need to feel how I am as a coach. They need to hear my voice. I need to learn them as players. And then I want them to have a conversation with me about what they want to do and what's best for them. I want them here if they want to be here. If they don't, I, I understand that too. I mean, you know, a lot has happened for them in the last two or three weeks on top of COVID, on top of all this stuff that we, we're dealing with right now in our world. So, you know, I need to be there as a leader for them, but I also need to help them with this with this moment in their lives because it's a lot. You know, they're, they're, they're young men, and now they have to process this all. So I want that to be... Um, a thorough process for them as they're evaluating what's the best thing for them as students, as young men, as athletes. You're coming into a situation where you mentioned COVID there. The fact is, it's still it's been tough to recruit uh, this season because of uh, you know, blackout rules by the NCAA. How are you going to approach recruiting right now with the way that the rules are set up and bringing players in in this era of uh, COVID 19? Yeah, our staff and I, you know, we're watching a lot of film. Um, it, it's a different time. You know, you're used to just jumping in the car and going to gyms and, and talking to kids, get a chance to evaluate them in that respect. Because the spring is a pretty active, you know, period in time for recruiting. But now we got to do it on film. Um, we got to be really creative. We, we got to do our job to be really thorough to make sure we're having a quality of, of person that we want in our program. You know, we want to get high character kids. Um, I've been really impressed with the kids in the program that we have thus far. And I want to make sure, you know, we keep high-character kids in the program. Um, so I think that's part of it. And then, you know, we, we rely on our, our contacts. I mean, there's a lot of people that are out there that get a chance to go in gyms because they're not college coaches. They're talent evaluators. we got to lean on them. Um, for transfers, I think a lot of times it goes to kids you probably recruited or people that you're familiar with who so understand the talent. And then, you know, we got to work the phones. And we have to make sure we get it right. But for me, what I said to, to my staff, um, which is really important, is we need to make sure we give our guys a chance to get to know us and we need to know them before we start adding players to our roster because it has to all make sense. Um, you know, we need to put together the right team that can compete for a championship and represent um, our community, our lungs, uh, our school the right way. So to do that, the first step for me is to make sure we really have an understanding of, of what our program is and have 
Who are your influences? Yeah, my dad. Um, you know, my dad worked at the University of Massachusetts for 35 years. Um, you know, he had a great career there. He was the assistant controller uh, at UMass Amherst. And he was a guy that cared about people. Uh, anybody you talk to, he's, he's like the mayor of Amherst, the mayor of UMass when he was there. <laughs> Uh, he just loved to walk campus and see people and talk to them. I, I, I'm a piece of him. Um, I'm a piece of Bruiser Flint. You know, he's a guy that really taught me this business, taught me how to take care of people. Um, Fran Dumphy, you know, he's a guy that, and I, and I believe this in my core, you know, these schools give us great opportunities to have, as head coaches. We owe it to the communities to impact them. You know, we got to give back. I mean, I, I get a chance to live a really good life for myself and for my family. But I owe it to the school, I owe it to the alums, I owe it to the people that I'm going to interact with in Albany to give back and, and to touch them because I'm trying to ask them to support our program and our players. So, you know, those are a few of the people. Um, I, I've been blessed to have some amazing people touch my life. Uh, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I don't exactly know why I've been as lucky as I've been, but I have been. And now I want to make sure I can impact our players where people have impacted me. But those are probably three people that come to mind right away. Yeah. You mentioned Fran Dunphy at Temple. Uh, obviously, before him was uh, the legendary John Chaney, who uh, recently passed away. Uh, I'm a Philly boy, as I told you before uh, we came on the air here. Uh, what was his, the influence? Did you ever get a chance to talk to John Chaney? And if you did, what was he like to talk to? Because he, he seemed like a, you, know, you see him on the court, but he was passionate and. Uh, love the players. Of course, the legendary uh, conversation with John Calipari at UMass back in the day. But uh, uh, what was, if you had a chance to talk with John Chetty, what was it, what was he like? You know, he had an unbelievable presence. Um, you know, when I, I interacted with him when I was younger, when he was still coaching, but then when I got to Philly, you know, he'd come around practice and he'd kick the door open and he'd start lecturing guys about turning the ball over against, you know, in the game the, the night before against St. Joe's or something, Villanova or something like that. But he had a great presence and he always had a great message. I, I thought he taught kids the game of basketball through life. I mean, there was always a life lesson in how he was teaching ball screen defense or the importance of being tough and aggressive and physical. Um, and, and I thought, you know, he was doing things at a high level. I mean, you know, he's coaching basketball and, and, and trying to, you know, play against anybody in the country any time of, of day, any time of year. But then, you know, he walks out into the press and, and he was dealing with some tough, tough issues, you know, in society and, and trying to challenge people to think a little bit different um, and to try to create opportunities for people that weren't getting them. And I, I was blown away when you hear him talk and the way how sharp he was. Even later on in his life, I got a chance to get around him probably in the last year, year and a half. And I mean, sharp as a tack. And, and that competitive, tough spirit still was coming out when you talk to him. You know, it looked like he was ready to rumble, you know, even late, late in his life. And, and I think that's that Billy, you know, part that I think you fall in love with, you know, that I got a chance to experience for eight years. I'm hoping that we can get some Philly kids here. I'm excited to get Matt Griffin on our staff because he understands, you know, what Temple was about, what Fred Dumpy was about, what John Chaney was about, and, and how that impacts winning. And we're hoping to bring that to our program. Yeah, Roman Catholic, I mean, when I was growing up, Speedy Morris uh, coaching there, and uh, just they were just dominant in the city uh, winning you know, Catholic League titles, and they were just uh, incredible there. So um, it's, it's good to see a Philly influence. I'm happy about that. Now if they bring Wawa up here, I'll be very happy. <laughs> <laughs> I 
Hey, if I can get a Wawa on campus, we're getting stuff done. All right. Wawa would change your life. I'm going to try. We got to work together on that. We're going to try to get a Wawa. Try to get it right on campus. That's good. We'll, we'll work on that. My son's also a UAlbany student. He's actually graduating in May, and uh, he loves Wawa, too. So maybe the three of us will combine, and uh, we'll, we'll get Wawa up here and enjoy the coffee and the hoagies. <laughs> yeah, we, we got to get a GoFundMe page and talk to, to Mark Benson try to make that happen. Uh, what kind of style do you like to have your team play? Yeah, I, I want to give our guys confidence um, and to follow their instincts. You know, in transition, I want to get out and play. Um, in order to do that, we got to be a great rebounding team. You know, when we get stops, I want to get run outs, and I want our guys to flow down the court. You know, if we can get stuff in the early offense where we can attack the rim, attack the paint, you know, if we can't get to the rim, we can find shooters, we can get early post-ups with our bigs. You know, that's what I'm thinking initially. I, you know, again, i got to learn our guys to make sure that, that what I would like to do fits our personnel. That's important. Um, you know, in the half court, I want I want to put our guys in the position to, to excel. You know, I want to make sure that we can isolate guys and put them in their spots where, where we can control the game um, from a scoring perspective. And, and I want to be able to shoot the three really well. I mean, that's something that we're looking at when we're looking at personnel. You know, we got to be able to open the floor up and let guys play off their skill set, but we still got to be able to make shots. I mean, if you look at teams, no matter what league you're playing in, you know, it's, it's, it's the time of shot makers. You know, you look in the NBA, you look in college, you look in high school, you need it. Um, on the defensive end, you know, I'm hoping that when you look at our team, you identify our team with toughness on the defensive end. You know, we're a tough, physical, aggressive defensive team that, that is uh, multidimensional when you think about ball screen defense and how we're going to pressure the ball. Um, and then also, like, I want us to be really connected. You know, I want us to love getting defensive stops, taking charges, or getting blocks at the rim. You know, 50-50 balls have to be ours. I mean, I think that's what our fans are going to want. You know, I think it's going to be contagious if we can make plays like that. And that's where that's the vision that I have. You know, it's my job now to find the right players to connect to the vision and then also to get them to buy into it. And what we talk about every day is just a mentality. If we, if we share that mentality, that's exactly the team that we're going to be. Yeah, shortly after you were hired by UAlbany, uh, you, you were assistant coach at Marquette under Steve Wojciechowski. Uh, he was, shortly after you were hired, he was uh, fired by Marquette. What's your reaction to that? Were you surprised? Yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, you know, this is a tough business. Um, I mean, you can see it just by, you know, the different opportunities that people have gotten and, and the shifts in leadership. But, you know, that guy poured his heart and soul into the program. Um, he, he had some unbelievable seasons. I mean, look at what we what we did with Marcus Howard during my time there. Um, my first year we went to the NCAA tournament. You know, we got ranked as high as top ten in the country. Last year we would have made the tournament. Um, had COVID not disrupted it. But, you know, it, it's a big job. You know, Mark, that's a big job, you know, and, and I think sometimes, you know, people aren't on the same page. Things kind of shift, but that happens. Um, but I think I just talked to him the other day. I mean, he's proud of the work that he did, and he's a guy that people respect. You know, you, you, you see Steve Wojciechowski go across your, your phone, you answer, because he earned that because he was a great player. Um, he was a great assistant, had unbelievable, you know, experiences as an assistant coach, and he did some really good work here at Marquette. Um, we just had a top 20 recruiting class uh, that we got last year. And those kids were freshmen. And I think the team, you know, whoever gets the team, they're going to inherit some really talented guys. I mean, the two or three of those kids that um, are coming back and lead roles have a chance to play in the NBA. So the talent's there. Um, and I think everybody's really proud of the work. And then, you know, this year I, I think that it's been really impressive with the hires. I mean, look at Ben Johnson um, at Minnesota, some of the other places. I think schools have found, like, the, the, the thing is it's about fit. You know, who 
they've been able to isolate, you know, necessarily what did you do last season or what happened, you know, the season before. It's about fit. And now once you get the fit, now you got to execute the plan. Um, but Coach Wojciechowski, you know, he, he, he's a great person. He's a great coach. He'll get another opportunity. I'd love to get him into Albany. Come check us out. Yeah. We'll see what happens. Uh, final question for you. Have you had a chance to watch any of the NCAA tournament? And what's, uh, what has uh, surprised you? I mean, there's been some great games. Um, to be honest with you, I've seen scores. I mean, I've been on the phone. I've been <laughs> traveling. My son's birthday was today. I, I traveled back to Milwaukee. I'm going back to Albany later on tonight. Then I'm coming back on Saturday for my daughter's birthday. So I haven't seen as many games as I wish. But, I mean, the impressive thing when I look at the scores, I mean, you look at Loyola Chicago, what they've been able to do, really, really impressive. I mean, they're a really good team, you know, and I think they play together. They play the right way. They've been able to, you know, uh, quote-unquote upset some people. But I think right now you're seeing that, like, you know, I don't care if the 15th seed or a 2 seed, anybody can win a college basketball game on any given night. And I think this tournament's wide open. Um, I'll be really – I'm really excited to see what the Final Four looks like because I think it, it's just such a different year. I mean, you got kids in Indianapolis in a bubble. You know, I'm looking at Twitter, and they're going to the zoo, but that's their only time outside – you know, you're battling the competition and you're battling COVID. And it's like, what's your mental focus? How mentally tough are you? I think those are the attributes that will show, you know, who's going to win this tournament. Well, Dwayne, I appreciate a few minutes. I know you've been very busy and I'm uh, glad we got a chance to uh, talk here. And uh, we'll talk to uh, see if we can get closer to the season. All right, man. I look forward to it. We'll talk more college basketball with sports editor Michael Kelly. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The NASCAR season is here, and it's time to play in the Daily Gazette's Auto Racing Contest. Go to dailygazette.com to sign up and play. Predict the order of finish of each race via your auto racing account. The fan with the most correct points for the race will win a $50 grocery card and have their name mentioned on the Party Shots podcast and printed in Friday's Daily Gazette. The fan with the most overall points at the end of the season wins the $250 grocery card. You can also win a $75 Visa gift card provided by Second Street if you're the weekly national winner. If you are the overall national winner, you will win a trip for two to the 2022 Daytona 500. So go to DailyGazette.com, sign up, and play today. The Daily Gazette Auto Racing Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Mark Kestisher, the voice of the NBA on ESPN Radio and proud member of the 518 from Gilderland High School. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Now, here's Ken. Welcome back to the podcast. A lot has been going on uh, in the area of college basketball scene. Obviously, with Dwayne Killings with his hiring at UAlbany. Of course, some big news going on at Siena and uh, some transfer news from UAlbany. It's going to bring on... Sports editor Michael Kelly talk about uh, all this area college basketball news. Let's uh, start with uh, Dwayne Killings. Your thoughts? Yeah, you know it's it's an exciting new hire for Albany. Um, you know, a, a, a youthful guy, first time head coach, bringing a lot of energy um, to that position. Um, and, and I think I think he kind of brings with him a resume that they were really interested in, in terms of the experience he's had at some high major schools. Um, cause obviously, you know, they had one coach for 20 years. They wanted to go in a, in a different direction. Um, you know, I, I think he checks uh, a lot of boxes, um, for what they were looking for. 
uh, the enthusiasm. It seemed like there was everybody seems very excited with this hire. Yeah, you know, and that's one of the, you know, I, I think every new coach is greeted by a lot of enthusiasm, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, I think I think with, with him, um, there's a lot of excitement over his reputation as, you know, a top-notch recruiter. Um, you know, the Albany program for, you know, three, four years, um, you know, has clearly needed more talent than it's had. Um, so I think there's a lot of hope that he can – fairly quickly um, kind of start to correct that and, you know, just to, to be blunt, get some better players coming into that program. Uh, obviously some news, transfer news coming out of you, Albany? Out of Seattle. Oh, Seattle, sorry. <laughs> Seattle, okay, sorry. All right. Well, we have everything happening yeah. all at once yeah, no, with, with Bull. But, yeah, so so Sienna today, um, which, you know, Sienna have been oddly quiet, um, just college basketball here in 2021. You know, there's going to be kids that transfer. Jordan King, um, you know, he, he's the, the first, uh, you know, saint to enter into the transfer portal from that rotation. Um, third leading scorer on the team. Um, top leading scorer, obviously, is Manny Camper, who is, is not coming back. Senior, going to try to play uh, professional basketball moving forward. Um, you know, King was a kid who, you know, local kid from Albany, CBA grad, um, came as a walk-on, developed in two years into a third-team All-Mac, um, you know, level player. Um, so it's a significant, significant, significant <laughs> loss. Well, obviously, you Albany had seven players in the transfer party. If them, so they're thinking, okay, it's you Albany kids. So yeah, what <laughs> there's is nobody it? left to transfer. <laughs> from That's let's get back to that. I mean, is if these players decide they're going to stay in the portal, how's this going to affect? Uh, you think Dwayne uh, Killing's trying to recruit? Yeah, so I mean, the we're kind of in an odd situation with college basketball and scholarships anyway, because if you you know everybody gets that extra year, theoretically, if you're a kid who you know was in your final year but you got that extra year, you're not going to count against the scholarship cap. Um, so the scholarship math is really fuzzy. I don't think though that Dwayne Killing's at Albany really has to worry about scholarship math at this point. I think realistically, you know, he's got seven guys in the portal. Um, I think safely he can go get five, six players just with the way it works. So some of those guys are going to leave. Some of them wouldn't necessarily count against the scholarship cap potentially. Um, so, I mean, I don't, he, he's a, I would say, the, the concern level <laughs> for over-recruiting <laughs> is non-existent at this point uh, for him. And, you know, and the reality is, as, as much as the some of these kids at UAlbany have said that they're considering coming back, um, you know, once you're in the portal, uh, very few players do return to their school. So they have seven in the portal. Uh, they, those seven are not all coming back. It would probably be a surprise if more than one or two of them, you know, want to do that. In a way, it's a surprise Jordan King's transfer because his coach, Carl Massarello, I'm sorry, Carl Massarello, is staying. He got a contract extension after it looked like he was uh, toying with Fordham uh, as a head coaching job. Yeah, you know, and it's, uh, you know, it's easy to say it now that it happened. I, I was interested to see if Jordan King would be somebody who goes into the transfer portal. You know, he was somebody who, you know, like, like I said before, he came to Siena as a walk-on. He was kind of between prep school you know, coming out of high school and, you know, maybe what, you know, trying to figure out what he would do next. Obviously he comes to Siena for two years, does really well for himself. 
um, that just with the way, you know, the sport works at this point, you know, it's probably really interesting for him to, to see what's out there, um, you know, in terms of, you know, how high of a level he could try to go. Carm's contract, I mean, do you think he was really serious in leaving? Considering he's a, you know, Sienna grad, a local kid, a local grad, not kid anywhere, Shen, Shen grad. We can count him as a local kid, right? <laughs> well, I, at, my, at my age, yeah, 57. Yeah, I'm a kid. I think he's fine with being called a local kid. Was he serious in leaving? Here, here's, uh, you know, the, the, he's not going to be the coach of Sienna forever. Um, you know, whether or not that's he's getting a new job, you know, this year, next year, in two years. Um, you know, he signed an extension through 2026. Um, I think it would probably be a big surprise if he makes it all the way through that. And that probably means the team wasn't very good um, for some of those years. Um, from my reporting, I he he was very much in the running at Fordham. Um, how serious he was about it is hard to figure out. Um, but, you know, those reports that he was top four, top five, I've heard, uh, you know, Top two was probably more what it was, mm -hmm. at least at one point. Um, so, I mean, that was very serious yeah. <laughs> for at least a, for at least uh, several days. Um, but, you know, now with the extension back at Siena, you know, I definitely there, obviously, for, for this upcoming season. Um, but, you know, when this team wins and finally makes it back to the NCAA tournament, um, you know, I, I don't know if those local ties are, are really gonna are really gonna tie Masarello to that job. Yeah, sometimes when you, when Sienna has some successful coaches, they hear one or two years and they end up leaving. And sometimes I think athletic director John Jorginho gets upset with that. Uh, is that fair to say? I think there was some displeasure when Jamie and Christian left after one year. I think that I think that's uh, very much. I don't think <laughs> he was happy. I don't, yeah, I don't think he had happy that McCaffrey left the way he did. Uh, I mean, Fran McCaffrey could have left, uh, you know, a couple times before he finally did. Um, that, I mean, if there's any displeasure over that, that's not really understanding the reality of the, the business. Mm -hmm. um, but no, I mean, I think I think the Jamie and Christian leaving after one year, I think that, um, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't want to say upset people, but that definitely caught people off guard, probably frustrated some people mm -hmm. um, just because, you know, it felt like they were building something. Um, but you know, obviously these last two years, uh, you know, it's not like the program has, uh, you know, really taken a step back, um, after that departure. Well, speaking of coaching searches, John Dargena does have to do one. He uh, fired, uh, women's coach Allie Jack a couple of weeks ago after nine seasons. Uh, really, she never got, I don't really never got that program going at the time, a uh, losing record, as I said, uh, was that much of a shock? No, I think that reached its natural endpoint. You know, nine seasons, only, you know, two or three winning seasons in there. Um, you know, win-loss-wise, trending in the wrong direction. I did think they had some some nice freshmen potentially coming in for, for next year that I was interested to see what next year's team would look like. Obviously, that's not how the business works. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, you know, contract was up. It's nine years. There hasn't been a lot of winning that's gone on in that program for, you know, more like 20 years um, that, you know, that was a change um, that I, I I think was expected by by most people who at least knew that she was, in fact, in the final year of that contract. I mean, with, obviously with the COVID situation, they had some stops and starts. I mean, should, should she have given, been given one more year just because of what went on this year? 
Yeah, you know, I mean, a lot of people have, you know, said that about different, you know, not necessarily hers, but I mean, just situations in general. Um, you know, I think the reality of it is, you know, it's, it's a win-loss business, um, you know, at its core, regardless of what people want to say yeah. <laughs> about, uh, you know, uh, you know, the other aspects of that job you need to win. Um, we've seen a lot of coaching movement, um, you know, men's and women's, you know, nationally that it, it doesn't seem like there is um, any grace period no. <laughs> being given around the country yeah. for just kind of the, the oddity, obviously, of this past season. Are there any leading candidates right now? It sort of seems sort of quiet at this point. Yeah, I think, well, I think, uh, I think the situation with uh, Sienna needing to figure out a contract extension for its men's basketball <laughs> coach um, probably <laughs> delayed a little bit, at least, what was going on with the search for the women's head coach. Um, you know, the thing for that program, which is interesting, is that there, you know, like I, I was saying before, there really hasn't been success um, in the last 20 years, that there isn't necessarily um you know there isn't there isn't somebody with ties to the program who's a really natural logical candidate um unless there unless there's one person that i'm i'm missing off the yeah. head but if i am it's one maybe two people there just isn't a logical candidate so this is going to be somebody who you know most likely doesn't have any prior connection to sienna um so unless you've really scoured the ranks of assistant coaches uh, yeah. in, uh, in division one women's basketball, um, you know, it's, it's difficult to try to, you know, speculate on who is going to become that next head coach. Well, Michael, thank you for the update on the college basketball situation here in the capital region. Now uh, we'll keep uh, our eyes on the Siena women's situation. And of course, uh, all of these transfers with between, uh, seven U Albany and Jordan King at Siena. Uh, there'll definitely be like five more transfers by the time <laughs> that this is, uh, by the time that this runs, that's just. That's the season we're in, but heck, thanks for having me. Heck, we might see our names in the transfer portal. We don't have any <laughs> eligibility left. Thanks, thanks, Mike. Coming up, uh, Stan Hootie talks high school football here on the Parting Shots Podcast. Hi, this is Miles Reed, editor of the Daily Gazette. These are difficult times for most of us. The coronavirus crisis has been a time of unprecedented upheaval, uncertainty, and fear. What does it all mean for our health, our families, our jobs, and our futures? At the Daily Gazette, our journalists have been working tirelessly to answer these questions and many more that have come up during this whole pandemic. How many people have tested positive locally? How many have died? Has anyone died in the local nursing homes? Now, in these difficult times, we're turning to you to support our work by purchasing a subscription or making a donation to help fund our daily efforts. With your support, these are the questions we're continuing to report on. Every day, our reporters and photographers have been working the streets and the phones to answer these critical questions. And every day, they answer the bell with their timely and well-documented reports from the front lines in the region. Behind the scenes, the rest of our editorial team, including our sports writers, copy editors, and digital producers, have been wholly focused on covering the COVID-19 story. During this critical time, everyone here at the paper is working to provide important news and information to keep the community safe and connected. But our ability to serve our community is being threatened by some economic challenges posed by the pandemic, 
We have stay-at-home orders, business closures, and school shutdowns, and they're contributing to the massive instability in the local business landscape. Despite all of these changes, the Gazette will remain committed to serving the community for many years to come, just as we've been doing unfailingly for the past 125 years. So please go to thedailygazette.com and donate or purchase a subscription to the Daily Gazette. Thank you, be well, and please keep reading. Hey, this is Jake Mahut, political reporter for Business Insider, and I'm a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Party Shot Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast. It's our weekly high school football talk, and joining us this week is Stan Hooty. And uh, Stan, you saw Schenectady play, and how impressive were they shutting out Colony? I tell you, it was uh, a great day for football, and the Patriots came out literally on fire. I mean, they ran away with this 38 to nothing. There was not a whole lot Schenectady could not do correctly. Um, Their defense was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, the 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 dark cloud over Snecky right now is injury. They've got uh, uh, possible meniscus tear um, on one player and possibly an uh, ankle issue on one of their big linemen, both seniors. So um, that will we'll see how that works out for the rest of the week. But uh, uh, Coach DePaulo was very happy um, at the end of the game. He's always fired up during the game, but at the end of the game with that goose egg on the board uh, against Colony. He was really happy with the Patriots. I know that he was talking about alternating quarterbacks or using both quarterbacks for the first game. How did that work out? Uh, it, it, it actually worked out pretty well. He did go with both. They went by series, so it wasn't that insane play after play. That way he allowed uh, them to get into a rhythm. Uh, both quarterbacks looked pretty good. I think uh, the sophomore, uh, his starting quarterback, who I talked to, and you're going to ask me who it is, and I'm going to tell you I forgot the name because uh, you know how that goes. Yeah. Um, but uh, did a, did a really good job. Not a lot was solved. I think if anything he's going to do for week two, you're going to see both. Uh, I think he's going to use maybe in different situations, uh, maybe one for more passing and then one possibly for more running. But I don't know if he wants to telegraph that right now. Um, but I think you're going to see that uh, two-quarterback system uh, in place at least for this week against a, a CBA team that routed Saratoga. So uh, that's one of the games to watch this Friday. Well, I know you previewed the Shaker-Shen matchup in, for week one. Uh, how surprised were you that Shaker shut out uh, Shenandoah? You know, I think I was. I think that's what really shocked me, I think, was the fact that Shen did not put up any points on the board. Uh, that really surprised me. This being toe-to-toe, a title fight per se, you know, I thought for sure, you know, the roundhouse punches, this was going to be last score, last turnover would be the decider. Shaker had fired on every single cylinder they had. Shen just had problems. Uh, five turnovers on the night. Um, and uh, I think they've got a young line. I know they have two returners to that line. I think they got some young guys on that line. And I think not having that scrimmage week, not having that live fire for this young group of of young men that this is a team that needed the scrimmage week to then fix things during the game week to then have a better look on Friday. But I know for both of them, Shaker and Shenandoah would have no problem seeing each other again later. 
You know, Jim Schultz covered the Niskewin and Mahanasen game. A uh, question there was uh, the quarterback situation, Quinn taking over for uh, uh, Berman, and uh, it worked out pretty well for uh, Niskewin. Yeah, Quinn, Quinn looked really good. Uh, I was there for the first half helping out uh, with Jim, and uh, the quarterback, Quinn, looked really good, very mobile. Uh, he was able to roll out of the pocket. He was able to uh, get away from uh, some pass rushes uh, as well as run the ball himself. So, Niskino's definitely got a winner uh, in Quinn. I think he's going to do really well. Um, and again, the Silver Warriors, they, they've got a test. They've got a great win, you know, um, uh, the 14 nothing against Mahanison on the road. But now they've got to go to Burnt Hills. Um, so they're on the road again. Burnt Hills, 35-12 over Boston spot. But that was close early on. And then late in the game, Burnt Hills pulls away with that. Uh, so, again, that's, uh, I think that's going to be one worth watching uh, Online. Of course, uh, worth keeping up the situation with the COVID. Uh, Scotia, for the, we heard on Tuesdays, we're taping here for the second straight week. He's not going to be able to play football. Uh, they had they had a game uh, canceled last week. So wh- what is the situation right now with Scotia? Uh, what we understand right now is last week we had three teams out due to COVID protocols, Queensbury, Scotia, um, and then I believe what the other one was, Helderberg. Um, so we had three teams out. Uh, in our coverage area, you know, Scotia Glenville, they, they're going to be out again. Their quarantine is through, from what we understand, March 30th. Uh, so that will take them out. And so what that did was uh, that's going to put Boston Spa uh, taking on Mahanison. Uh, Boston Spa was scheduled to take on Scotia Glenville. But without uh, Scotia Glenville having that game, uh, Mahanison was supposed to face Queensbury. So when they don't have two opponents, the two available are going to play. So that's Boston Spa against Mahanison. So this is one of the things that we thought was going to happen. We saw it in soccer. Uh, we saw a little bit uh, in basketball late. Uh, football with those large rosters. You know, Shen carrying 60 kids. Um, it's good. It's depth. Shaker, the same thing, a large roster. But you've got all those numbers. And, again, the conversation I had with uh, Coach Whipple today when I stopped over and saw Shelmont, the conversation was, the kids are entrenched. They know what they need to do. A lot of kids are going remote, but there's those things they can't control. And one thing Coach Whipple brought out was, he goes, I got nervous when kids said they were going out Sunday to get ice cream. Yeah. You know, you don't know where they're going to get it. Mom and dad could be bringing it home from work. Again, uh, asymptomatic, nobody knows. And then all of a sudden, uh, you have to go get tested because something breaks out. And then uh, you get the, you know, you get the PC, uh, PCR test and all of a sudden, one becomes five, becomes eight. So right now, uh, uh, Scotia Glenville's quarantined the entire team. Well, let's take a look at the uh, first power rankings of the season. Then Class A, obviously, Shaker in the 20 nothing win over Shen, number one. Gilliland, uh, under number two, they beat Bethlehem, CBA, and is three with that victory over Saratoga Springs. It's connected four, and then Shen was uh, five. So really no surprises there. Not really any surprises. There, this is again what, what I really like about our, our power rankings. It's done by the entire staff, so everybody weighed in um, on, on the high school side. Jimmy Schultz, Adam Schinder, myself, and uh, sports editor Michael Kelly. So it's really group think here. So there's a lot of different ideas. Um, if anything, I think you know, uh, Coach uh, Coach Lawson may uh, take some umbrage of being number five um, on that. Um, I think they could have possibly been as high as a four. I don't think there are three right now, but uh, they're going to see Colony at Shaker on Saturday. We'll see what happens there. Um, Shaker Gillen will sort itself out. They face each other uh, in probably game of the week uh, on Friday. 
and uh, CBA faces Schenectady. So we'll, we'll see. We'll, I think we're going to see some movement in the double A's. Yeah, Class A, uh, Troy got off to a hot start beating uh, LaSalle 42-12. to uh, 12. They're the number one in Class A, followed by uh, Burn Hills, Boston Lake, uh, Queensbury, even though they haven't played a game, and Naval Park uh, is number four. Niskuna and Amsterdam tied for fifth. Amsterdam had did not play. They had their game uh, postponed last Friday. So, uh, so there's your B, there's your cup class A rankings. Uh, class B, I mean, the, the, most of the teams have not started. Uh, Shaman and Glens Falls were idle. Hudson did play. Uh, they won 51 nothing over Catskill, Cairo Durham, and uh, or Cairo Durham is like to pronounce it here. Uh, Ravita uh, beat Cambridge Salem, and uh, Cobus Gorchville did not play. So they they start. So Chris B is sort of like, yeah, we'll see what happens right now. This is kind of like that preseason basketball ranking, you know, where nobody's seen them. Uh, they scrimmaged. Uh, talked, I was over at Shelmont today, talked to Coach Whipple. He was really happy to be at Glens Falls last week as a scrimmage. Um, I think it showed a lot, um, but didn't impact anybody in, um, in, the, uh, in the standings. And they're, they're one week, one and done at the end of the year. So there's no, there's no striving for a semifinal. This is you need to win to get into the final at the end of it. Class C, Skylerville, the uh, area Class B champion, number one, put up a 24-point second quarter, and it's 38-0 victory over Mechanicville. Uh, Corinth, Fort Worth, Edward, number two, uh, they play a Sunday football game. <laughs> this is what it's going to be right now. We're going to see for games Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Heck, with the way things are going, we might see a game every day. Uh, they're number two, uh, barely uh, beating Granville. Uh, who's at Falls, Tamarack, uh, Tamarack, Blank, Ichabod, Crane. Uh, they're tied with uh, Fonda Fultonville for number three. Fonda Fultonville did not play in week one. Uh, Kasaki Atkins, uh, Athens picked up the uh, 27-0 win on the road at Water Valite. So uh, there's your Class C. And Class D, um, major, some major reshuffling in that, uh, in that uh, class. Uh, Greenville is one, uh, followed by a tie between Cambridge-Salem and uh, Lake George-Hadley-Luzerne. And Warrensburg, North Warrens, the four didn't play, and Chatham did not play. That was the game that uh, they were supposed to play. Heldenburg Valley got uh, postponed because of COVID-19 issues. So that all wrapped up the uh, rankings. And, uh, yeah, you talked about some of the games we're going to see, big games this week. It's going to be uh, another interesting slate. We'll see. Uh, hopefully uh, everything gets uh, you know, sorted out, no more COVID issues, and we get some games in. I think that's all the coaches want to do right now. They're so grateful to, to get a uh, fall two season in March, um, as odd as it is. But – um, every single coach I've talked to is they're just, they wanted to play. The kids have put in a lot of time, uh, during the fall, uh, when it was kicked down the, kick, kick the can down the road so many times. Um, then they were promised a fall two in March. Uh, they were happy to take that. Um, and now it's let's get through the season. And as much as it's coach speak and a cliche, it is day to day, game to game, uh, with these teams and, uh, Boston spot coach uh, talking talking to him, um, Greg O'Connell. It was, it is. We don't know. Tuesday we may find out we're playing somebody else. Thursday may we we may find out we're, we don't have a game. Yeah. Um, so they're really living that um, moment to moment. But uh, everybody wants to play. Everybody wants to be out there. And we're going to go see them play. Well, Stan, appreciate your thoughts on the uh, first week of high school football. We'll talk soon. All right. All right. That's that Stan Hooley. We'll be back to wrap up the podcast in just a moment.
Sign up for the weekly Daily Gazette sports newsletter. The newsletter features updates on the local sports scene from our staff writers, debate on topics local and national, and reveals the latest guests for the Parting Shots podcast. The newsletter is free. To sign up, head to dailygazette.com. And that will do it for this edition of the podcast. I'd like to thank Dwayne Killings, Michael Kelly, and Stan Hootie for coming on the show. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. Follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette newspapers. I'm Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, be smart, stay safe, wear the face mask.